Book One, Chapter Four of *The Branding Iron* by Catherine Newland Burt. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Recording by Roger Moline. Book One, Chapter Four, The Sin Buster. In the fall, when the whole country had turned to a great cup of gold, purple-rimmed under the sky, Pierre went out into the hills after his winter meat. Joan was left alone. She spent her time cleaning and arranging the two-room cabin, and tidying up outdoors, and in grubbing sagebrush, a gigantic task, for the one hundred and fifty acres of Pierre's homestead were covered for the most part by the sturdy, spicy growth, and every bush had to be dug out and burnt to clear the way for plowing and planting. Joan worked with the deliberateness and intentness of a man. She enjoyed the wholesome drudgery. She was proud every sundown of the little clearing she had made, and stood, tired and content, to watch the piled brush burn, sending up aromatic smoke and curious dull flames very high into the still air. She was so standing, hands folded on her rake, when, on the other side of her conflagration, she perceived a man. He was steadily regarding her, and when her eyes fell upon him, he smiled and stepped forward. A tall, broad, very fair young man in a shooting coat, khaki riding breeches, and puttees. He had a wide brow, clear blue eyes, and an eager, sensitive, clean-shaven mouth and chin. He held out a big white hand. "'Mrs. Landis,' he said in a crisp voice of an accent and finish strange to the girl. "'I wonder if you and your husband can put me up for the night. I'm Frank Hollowell. I'm on a round of parish visits, and as my parish is about sixty miles square, my poor old pony has gone lame. I know you are not my parishioners, though no doubt you should be, but I'm going to lay claim on your hospitality for all that, if I may." Joan had moved her rake into the grasp of her left hand, and had taken the proffered palm into her other, all warm and fragrantly stained. "'You're the new sin-buster, ain't you?' she asked gravely. The young man opened his blue and friendly eyes. "'Oh, that's what I am, eh? That's a new one to me. Yes, I suppose I am. It's rather a fine name to go by, Sinbuster.' And he laughed very low and very amusedly. Joan looked him over and slowly smiled. "'You look like you could bust anything you'd a mind to,' she said, and led the way toward the house, her rake across her shoulder. "'Pierre,' she told him when they were in the shining, clean log-house, is off in the hills after his elk. But I can make you up a bed in the settin' room and serve you a supper and welcome." "'Oh, thanks,' he rather doubtfully accepted. Evidently he did not know the ways and proprieties of this new parish of his. But Joan seemed to take the situation with an enormous calm impersonality. He modeled his manner upon hers. They sat at the table together, Joan silent, 
save when he forced her to speak, and entirely untroubled by her silence, Frank Hollowell eating heartily, helping her serve, and talking a great deal. He asked her a great many questions, which she answered with direct simplicity. By the end of dishwashing, he had her history and more of her opinions probably than any other creature she had met. "'What do you do when Landis is away?' She told him. "'But in the evenings, I mean, after work. Have you books?' "'No,' said Joan. "'It's right hard labor, readin'. Pa learned me my letters, and I can spell out bits from papers and advertisements, and what not, but I ain't never read a book straight out. I don't know, she added presently, but as I'd like to. Pierre can read, she told him proudly. I'm sure you'd like to. He considered her through the smoke of his pipe. He was sitting by the hearth now and she, just through with clearing up, stood by the corner of the mantel-shelf, arranging the logs. The firelight danced over her face, so beautiful, so unlighted from within. "'How old are you, Joan Landis?' he asked suddenly, using her name without title for the first time. Eighteen. "'Is that all? You must read books, you know.' There's so much empty space there back of your brows. She looked up, smiling a little, her wide gray eyes puzzled. Yes, Joan, you must read. Will you, if I lend you some books? She considered. Yes, she said. I'd read them if you'd be lending me some. In the evenings when Pierre's away, I'm right lonesome. I never was lonesome before, not to know it. It'll take me a long time to read one book, though," she added with an engaging mournfulness. What do you like? Stories? Poetry? Magazines? I'd like real books and stiff covers, said Joan, and I don't like pictures. This surprised the clergyman. Why not? said he. I like to notion how the folks look myself. I like pictures of real places. That has got to be like they are. Joan was talking a great deal and having trouble with her few simple words. But I like folks and stories to look like I want them to look. Not the way the writer describes them? Yes, sir. But you can make up a whole lot on what the writer describes. If he says her eyes is blue, you can see him dark blue or light blue or just blue. And you can see him shaped round or what not, the way you think about folks that you've heard of and have never met. It was extraordinary how this effort of self-expression excited Joan. She was rarely self-conscious, but she was usually passive or stolid. Now there was a brilliant flush in her face, and her large eyes deepened and glowed. "'I heard tell of you, Mr. Hollowell. Fellers come up here to see Pierre once in a while, and one or two of them spoke your name. And I kind of figured you out as a weedy feller. Awful solemn-like, and of course you ain't. 
but it's real hard for me to notion that there ain't two Mr. Hollowells, you and the weedy sin-buster I've been picturin'. Like as not, I'll get to thinkin' of you like two fellers. Joan sighed. Seems like when I once get a notion in my head, it just sticks there some way. Then the more wise notions you get, the better. I'll ride up here in a couple of weeks' time with some books. You may keep them as long as you will. All winter, if you like. When I get up here, we can talk them over, you and Landis and I. I'll try to choose some without pictures. There will be stories and some poetry, too. I ain't never heard but one poem, said Joan. And that was... She had sat down on the floor by the hearth, her head thrown back to lean against the cobbles of the chimney-piece, her knees locked in her hands. That magnificent long throat of hers ran up to the black coils of her hair, which had slipped heavily down over her ears. The light edged her round chin and her strongly modeled, regular features, the full, firm mouth so savagely pure and sensuous and self-contained. The eyes were mysterious under their thick lashes and dark, long brows. This throat and face and these strong hands were picked out in their full value of line and texture from the dark cotton dress she was wearing. "'It's a poem on a card what father had stuck agin the wall,' she began to recite, her eyes fixed upon him with childlike gravity. "'He maketh me to lie down in green pastures. He leadeth me beside the still waters. Yea, though I walk through the valley of shadows, thou art with me, thy rod and thy staff, they comfort me.' Hollowell had taken the pipe from between his teeth, had straightened up. Her deep voice, the slight swinging of her body to the rhythm she had unconsciously given to her lines, the strange glow in her eyes. Hollowell wondered why these things, this brief sing-song recitation, had given a light thrill to the surface of his skin, had sent a tingling to his fingertips. He was the first person to wonder at that effect of Joan's cadenced music. The Valley of the Shadow. She had missed a familiar phrase and added value to a too often repeated line. "'Joan! Joan!' said the sin-buster, an exclamation drawn from him on a deep breath. "'What an extraordinary girl you are! What a marvelous woman you are going to be!' Joan looked at him in a silence of pure astonishment, and that was the end of their real talk. End of Book One, Chapter Four Recording by Roger Moline